Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, Christmas is pretty much done and over. That doesn't mean you can't go out and get exactly what you wanted. So head on over to Leon Tailoring. Pick yourself up a nice coat or jacket or a shirt or tie or a nice heavier blouse. Or better yet, get somebody a gift certificate so they can go get a really cool gift as opposed to a really crappy gift that they got as well. You head over to Leon Tailoring, trust me, they'll take care of you. And tell them Abdul sent you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware and downtown Indianapolis. Well, it's been an interesting year when it comes to crime stats uh, in the city of Indianapolis. And actually, some good news. Uh, homicides are actually trending down. As we sit down and record this interview with our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harrison of the Ten Point Coalition, uh, so far, Indianapolis has had about 171 murders down from 208 from last year, which is about a 17% drop. So we'll talk about that, as well as other issues uh, facing the city of Indianapolis when it comes to crime and, and violence and prevention, is our good friend, Reverend Charles Harrison. Reverend Harrison, old friend, thank you very much for being with us. Hope you had a good Christmas and Happy New Year, my friend. Well, I did. I had a wonderful Christmas and, and looking forward to the new year. All right, my friend. So uh, what do these uh, murder stats tell you that, that crime is actually down? Uh, like I said, as we record this conversation here at the end of the year, it was 208 uh, murders last year, uh, down 171, about an 18% drop. Well, we certainly have seen an 18% drop in murders, so murders are down. But I think for those of us who follow this very closely, we are concerned about uh, what they call justifiable homicides, and that number seems to be up. Uh, it is as high as I can recall, you know, in the you know 25 years that I've kind of been doing this work uh, on the ground with the Indianapolis Ten Point Coalition. So uh, there's some some good news out there, but then there's also some concerning. Um, news concerning the the higher number of justifiable homicides and and also uh, you know pretty large number of, of police action shootings that have led uh, to homicide. So uh, I think overall the the concern that I still have is still the total homicide numbers are still trending. Um, you know, around 200, a little above that. That's still very concerning. Uh, what's your concern about justifiable homicides? Because usually a justifiable homicide usually means uh, that someone had to kill someone, but it was in self-defense. Well, it is, and that's the concern. Are we seeing, uh, you know, a high level of, of crime in, in the community where people, you know, feel like that they need to use violence in order to protect themselves? Are there more in a personal conflicts that we're seeing out there on the streets where people feel like, uh, you know, they have had to use uh, their weapon in order to protect themselves against that. I, I, I still think, you know, when you look at the overall numbers, you have to be concerned that more people feel like that they have been, you know, in conflicts where they have had to use a weapon in order to protect themselves. So, so I think that's an indication that still, uh, crime and, and, and violence is still high in, in the city. Uh, something else, my friend. Go ahead. And really, Abdul, and really, Abdul, when you look back as to, you know, where the city was, you know, 10 years ago and 12 years ago, the numbers are still very troubling to where we used to be as a city and, and where we were really from about 2000 to about 2012. I think in that period of time, we averaged, you know, under 100 murders a year, and we was around 214, 15 uh, homicides on the average a year. 
Our guests on the Prime Day is our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harris of the Ten Point Coalition, looking at crime and violence in Indianapolis in 2023 and also to see what's ahead in 2024. Uh, Reverend Harrison, also, uh, the Indianapolis Star did a story on youth homicides. Uh, in 2023, uh, there are about 25, uh, up from only about six in 2018. Uh, what the heck is going on with our young people? Well, you have more peop- young people with guns, and, and sadly, uh, our young people are settling their conflicts with violence, and, and that's what is troubling. I, I have not seen, you know, in my lifetime, these many uh, guns in the hands of, of juveniles, 17 and under. Um, it's just startling. And, you know, I have a I have a son that's 18 years old, and, and I was having a conversation with him concerning this, and he was sharing with me, Dad, he said, you know, getting in a fight today can be dangerous because if you win, you may lose because the person that you may have uh, beaten up uh, in the fight uh, may come back and try to kill you because they don't uh, want to feel like that they were shamed or they were a failure. And he said this is the mindset of young people today. And he said that's the reason why so many young people are carrying guns is just as a, a protection for themselves because of the kind of the culture and the climate that exists today, you know, uh, in Indianapolis, in many urban cities across the country. And I think you see it this year, Abdul, in the fact that we have had a record-breaking number of juvenile murders. And also, too, one thing I thought was really interesting was the number of female juvenile offenders. That 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 kind of shocked me because normally, you know, you, you would think that, you know, not, not to stereotype, you know, girls versus boys, but you would think boys would be more prone to violence than, than girls. No, no, today, you know, when we're out on the streets, uh, we see as almost as many females, girls with guns than we do men. Um, that's a phenomenon. Five years ago, that was not the case. But we have seen the number of, of females with guns, and, and they have them visibly, dramatically increased o- over the last uh, four or five years. Uh, my friend, uh, obviously, uh and a lot of this goes to the, to, the, to the culture and how folks are raised. Uh, what what can what can uh, uh, local officials realistically do to change that? Well, I don't think, and until we really try to understand and address the root causes of it, we're going to be able to change much of it. And, and I think the the second piece to that is that there has to be, I feel, um, greater accountability for young people who tend to be repeat offenders uh, when it comes to using some kind of a weapon uh, to commit some kind of violent act. As long as as we have a a system that doesn't hold young people accountable, I don't think there is a deterrent for these young people escalating violence uh, when they feel like that nothing is going to be done. And I'm not not one who, who feels like we have to lock every young person up but I do feel like that we have to look at this, you know, from the larger society. How do we create some kind of accountability and get parents more involved in solutions that reduces the possibility of juvenile violence, um, you know, in our city? And, you know, I don't have the answer, but I, but I do know it's a, it's a problem. Um, and, and, and I would say, how can we overcome uh, the brokenness of many families, particularly in certain communities where we tend to see a much higher level of violence 
uh, among young men and, and young women of color. Uh, my friend, uh, you know, talk like that's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> I, I, I know it is, but we but we have to have this conversation because when you deal with the numbers and the reality of what's happening, particularly in the black community, uh, there's a disproportionate number of black males and females that are being killed, and they also tend to be uh, the suspects in, in, in these violent crimes. There is something that is driving this more so than what we see in other communities, that we have to have a conversation uh, in the black community about this. And, and I don't think it's something that can be fixed by government. Uh, I think the black community has to be involved in this conversation uh, that, that deals with the reality of what's happening and talk about real solutions. Our guests on the program today is our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harrison, the leader of the Ten Point Coalition, the anti-violence group here uh, in Indianapolis. As we look uh, sort of uh, on 2023 uh, with our homicide and murder rate and also uh, 2024 uh, and what's ahead, it's, it's important to realize there's a distinction between folks between homicides and murder. All murders are homicides, but not all homicides are murders. So if Reverend Harrison is driving his car one day and sees me walking across the street, slams on the brakes and hits me and kills me, that's a homicide. If he sees me walking the middle of the street and speeds up, that's a murder. So just to make just to make sure we're clear on the difference between actually actually it wouldn't be you would be my wife, but she would never be convicted of murder anyway. She'd probably get a medal for doing a for, for doing a, a, a public service old old friend as as, as you well know. Uh, but I want to get uh, get back uh, to something else we saw seem to seem uh, seem to see an inordinate amount of this year uh, was police action shootings. Now my thing is this: uh, if you pull a gun on a police officer, bad things are probably going to happen. Uh, why are we seeing so many police action shootings? here in Indianapolis these days? Well, I, I think certainly you have to look at the issue of, of mental health. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, my concern is this, and this may get me in trouble too, but I, I think since the, the whole BML, Black Lives Matter movement, uh, th there seems to be this uh, anti-police uh, movement within communities of color where individuals are more confrontational to law enforcement than, than I have seen, uh, again, since I've lived here in Indianapolis. And, 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 and they, they, they tend to be more willing to, to, to confront police officers with weapons that I think is also, Abdul, leading to more police action shootings. Uh, you know, they're not obeying the, the uh, commands of law enforcement, whether to put the weapon down or to do what they're being told by law enforcement. And, and it tends to lead to tragic consequences, uh, which I think has led uh, to so many more police action shootings, particularly since August of this year. Uh, it, it's been, what, 18, I think, since August of, of, of this year, uh, police action shootings in the city. And, and, and my concern is that, until something changes, um, that number may be as high or greater in 2024 as it has been in, in 2023. Uh, what's what's being done to uh, sort of maybe mitigate that? Obviously, there, there's so much, you know, only so much that you know, law enforcement can do you know, with training and sort of sort of that escalation scale and when you pull your weapon, when you don't pull your weapon. But I guess on the other side of this, 
what what's going on with 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 with, with quote unquote you know the, the these young people and folks uh, who are like hey you know want to confront police officers is anybody telling like hey you know what uh, like my father always taught me and me and my brothers like hey don't handle your business out in the street comply with law enforcement wait till you uh, wait to get you need to be call me and we'll take care of this don't don't handle your business out in the street because you don't want to get into a fight with someone who has the legal authority to arrest detain and if necessary shoot you. But, but that's not being taught anymore, and I would agree with you. That's what I was taught, you know, and that's what I teach my children, that you comply with what you're being told by law enforcement. Uh, and even if they arrest you, it's better that you be arrested than you be dead, and your father will handle it from there. You know, I, I would rather see you in jail that, that, than uh, you being confrontational to a law enforcement that, that leads to you being shot or injured or shot or killed. But, but I do, I think part of the problem is we're not holding uh, our community accountable. We want to hold law enforcement accountable. And when you do have a police action shooting, you have black groups and black leaders that are outspoken, that are calling for the accountability of law enforcement. But they never talk about the accountability on our side and what we need to be doing as citizens to be more uh, in compliance with law enforcement that could help, uh, you know, lead to uh, more favorable uh, results when you have these kind of uh, situations between law enforcement and the community. And, and I'm concerned about that. If we're going to hold IMPD accountable for every police action shooting, we also ought to look at the facts and start holding our community accountable if we're not complying with police orders. Our guest on the program today, Reverend Charles Harrison, the 10-Point Coalition, with us for a few more minutes. So, Reverend Harrison, uh, looking ahead uh, to 2024, uh, what, what, is the, what is the 10-Point plan to, to help mitigate our, our crime and our violence in our community? Well, I wish we could certainly be in more communities and working in partnership uh, with, uh, you know, community groups, neighborhood groups, and, and IMPD. And, and, and I think that, that presence on the ground, when you look at our numbers, and they have pretty been pretty consistent over the last 10 years uh, in our eight, eight hotspot areas that we patrol, and our focus is to help reduce the, the level of violence among young men of color ages uh, 12 to 24. We have had zero uh, homicides uh, between the ages of 12 and 17, and only two homicides in our eight hotspot areas, 18 to 24. I think the model works. I think it is a deterrent. I think the power of presence, working with IMPD and other community groups, is a model that we ought to try to implement, even if it's not 10-point, but other groups using a similar model in, in all the hotspot areas around the city. I, I think if we do that, I think you're going to see better results and get our numbers back down to where they have traditionally been in this city uh, with less than 120 homicides and, and less than 100 murders. Abdul, I, I still believe it's possible in, in today's time for us to get back to those numbers, but I think we have to do what we know has worked in the past and then get the court and the prosecutor on board with a, a strategy uh, where we start also holding people accountable. Uh, my friend, we got a couple minutes left here, uh, so let me ask you. Uh, obviously, uh, you you want to you want to do well, do good, uh, but obviously you need the help of IMPD and law enforcement. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Chief Randall Taylor's uh, uh, upcoming resignation and stepping down after almost thirty years on the force? Well, he's been a great public service and a friend. I've had the chance to work with him for. 
nearly 20 years now, you know, even, you know, before he became the chief of police, uh, particularly in working in the community, um, you know, I, I think he's just a, a, a great person. Um, you know, I hate to see him step down, but, but I do think uh, INPD has uh, a good bench. And, and I think that whoever takes his place and, and, and I think is going to do a good job, particularly some of the names that I hear, I think they're going to do a good job. But, but I commend, uh, you know, Chief Taylor for the work that he did. A very challenging job being the chief of police, you know. Uh, uh, you know, you get a lot of criticism and, and not sometimes a whole lot of praise, but I, I think he did well as the chief uh, because I think this issue of, of urban violence is bigger than the chief and the police department. It, it's a much larger issue that's going to take all of us to uh, uh, solve. Uh, final question, my friend. Uh, uh, Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett, uh defied history, got a third term uh, as mayor of Indianapolis. Any advice for the mayor going forward with crime and public safety? Yes. I wish he would get a public safety director. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think I think that he needs someone that's that's constantly focusing on public safety 24/7, and working with all of the groups in the city, and, and having a more citywide strategy uh, to help bring down the level of violence. So, you know, my message to the mayor is that's not a job I think you ought to be doing. I think you ought to have a public safety director. Well, hey, dude, had I been married, we'd have had a public safety director. I'm just, I'm just, just messing, I'm just messing around. <laughs> Nah, nah. I, I need a public safety director to protect me from my wife. <laughs> she, she, oh, okay. <laughs> and a couple people in law enforcement as well. Our guest of the program today has been our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harrison, the Ten Point Coalition, the Anti-Violence Crime Prevention Group. Uh, Reverend Harrison, my friend, as always, sir, thank you very, very much for making yourselves available to talk to us and our audience uh, in 2023. And hopefully uh, we won't have to talk to you as much in 2024, but my spider sense tells me we probably will, at least for the first six months and some change. I know. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, thank you, sir. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.